0: Dramatis Personae of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare Characters Adriana, wife of Antiphilus of Ephesus Read by Elizabeth Platt Aegean, a merchant of Syracuse
1: Read by Jason Bortles
0: Emilia, wife to Aegean and abbess at Ephesus Read by Musical Heart One Angelo a goldsmith.
2: Read for you by Brandon Keener.
0: Antiphilus of Ephesus, twin brother of Antiphilus of Syracuse, son to Aegeon and Emilia.
3: Read by M.B.
0: Antiphilus of Syracuse, twin brother of Antiphilus of Ephesus, son to Aegeon and Emilia.
3: Read by M.B.
0: Balthazar, a merchant.
4: Read by Tim Ferreira.
0: Read
5: by Maria Therese.
0: Dromio of Ephesus, twin brother to Dromio of Syracuse, and attendant on the two Antiphiluses.
6: Read by John Fricker.
0: Dromio of Syracuse, twin brother to Dromio of Ephesus, and attendant on the two Antiphiluses.
6: Read by John Fricker.
0: First Merchant, friend to Antiphilus of Syracuse.
6: Read
7: by Algie Pug.
0: Jailer. Read by Lucy Perry. Luce, servant to Adriana.
8: Read by Dana Meilinger.
0: Luciana, sister to Adriana.
8: Read by Ariel Lipshaw.
0: Officer.
9: Read by David Lawrence.
0: Pinch, a schoolmaster.
10: Read by Martin Giessen,
0: Second merchant, indebted to Angelo.
10: Read by Elizabeth Clatt.
0: Servant. Repelli. Solinus, Duke of Ephesus.
7: Read by Algie Park.
0: Narrated by Availle. End of Dramatis Personae. Act 1 of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare. Act 1. Scene 1. A hall in Duke Salinas' palace. Enter Duke Salinas, Aegean, jailer, officers, and other attendants.
1: Proceed, Solinus, to procure my fall, and by the doom of death, and woes and all.
0: Merchant
7: of Syracuse, plead no more. I am not partial to infringe our law. The enmity and discord which of late sprung from the rancorous outrage of your duke to merchant, our well-dealing countrymen, who, wanting guilders to redeem their lives, have sealed his rigorous statutes with their blood, excludes all pity from our threatening look. For since the mortal and intestine jars twixt thy seditious countrymen and us, it hath in solemn being decreed, both by the Syracusians and ourselves, to admit no traffic to our adverse towns, nay more, if any born at Ephesus be seen at any Syracusian marts and fairs, again, if any Syracusian born come to the Bay of Ephesus, he die. His goods confiscate to the Duke's dispose, unless a thousand marks be levied to quit the penalty, and to ransom him. Thy substance, valued the highest rate, cannot amount unto a hundred mark. Therefore, by law, thou art condemned to die.
1: Yet this my comfort, when your words are done, my woes end likewise with the evening sun.
7: Well, Syracusian, say in brief the cause why thou departest from thy native home And for what cause thou camest to Ephesus?
1: A heavier task could not have been imposed, than I to speak my griefs unspeakable. Yet that the world may witness that my end was wrought by nature, not by vile offence, I'll utter what my sorrows give me leave. In Syracusea was I born, and wed unto a woman, happy but for me, and by me, had not our hap been bad, with her I lived in joy. Our wealth increased by prosperous voyages I often made to Epidamnum. Till my factor's death, and the great care of goods at random left, drew me from kind embracements of my spouse. From whom my absence was not six months old, before herself, almost at fainting under the pleasing punishment that women bear, had made provision for her following me, and soon and safe derived where I was. There had she not been long, but she became a joyful mother of two goodly sons. And, which was strange, the one so like the other, as could not be distinguished but by names. That very hour, and in the selfsame inn, a meaner woman was delivered, of such a burden, male twins, both alike. Those, for their parents were exceeding poor, I bought and brought up to attend my sons. My wife, not meanly proud of two such boys, made daily motions for our home return. Unwilling, I agreed. Alas, too soon, we came aboard. A league from Epidamnum had we sailed, before the always wind-obeying deep gave any tragic instance of our harm. But longer did we not retain much hope, or what obscured light the heavens did grant, did but convey unto our fearful minds a doubtful warrant of immediate death which though myself would gladly have embraced, yet the incessant weepings of my wife, weeping before, or what she saw must come. And piteous plainings of the pretty babes, that mourned for fashion, ignorant what to fear, forced me to seek delays for them and me. And this it was, for other means was none. The sailors sought for safety by our boat, and left the ship, then sinking ripe, to us. My wife, more careful for the latter born, had fastened him unto a small spare mast, such as seafaring men provide for storms. To him, one of the other twins was bound, whilst I had been like heedful of the other. The children thus disposed, my wife and I, fixing our eyes on whom our care was fixed, fastened ourselves at either end the mast, and floating straight, obedient to the stream, was carried towards Corinth, as we thought." At length the sun, gazing upon the earth, dispersed those vapors that offended us, and by the benefit of his wished light, the seas waxed calm, and we discovered two ships from far making a main to us of Corinth, that of Epidaurus, this. But ere they came, oh, let me say no more, gather the sequel by that went before.
7: Nay, forward, old man, do not break off so, for we may pity. They not pardon thee.
1: Oh had the gods done so I had not now worthily termed them merciless to us, for ere the ships could meet by twice five leagues, we were encountered by a mighty rock, which being violently borne upon, our helpful ship was splitted in the midst, so that in this unjust divorce of us, fortune had left to both of us alike what to delight in, what to sorrow for. Her part poor soul, Seeming as burdened with lesser weight, but not with lesser woe, Was carried with more speed before the wind. And in our sight, they three were taken up by fishermen of Corinth, as we thought. At length, another ship had seized on us, And, knowing whom it was their hap to save, Gave healthful welcome to their shipwrecked guests, And would have reft the fishers of their prey, Had not their bark been very slow of sail and therefore homeward did they bend their course. Thus have you heard me severed from my bliss, that by misfortunes was my life prolonged, to tell sad stories of my own mishaps.
7: And for the sake of them thou sorrowest for, do me the favour to dilate at full what hath befallen of them and thee till now.
1: My youngest boy, and yet my eldest care, at eighteen years became inquisitive after his brother, and importuned me, that his attendant, so his case was like reft of his brother, but retained his name, might bear him company in the quest of him, whom whilst I labored of a love to see, I hazard the loss of whom I loved. Five summers have I spent in the furthest Greece, roaming clean through the bounds of Asia, and coasting homeward came to Ephesus, hopeless to find yet loath to leave unsought or that or any place that harbors men. But here must end the story of my life. And happy were I in my timely death, could all my travels warrant me they live.
7: Hapless Aegeon, whom the fates have marked, bear the extremity of dire mishap. Now, trust me, were it not against our laws, against my crown, my oath, my dignity, which princes would they not disannul? My soul would sue as advocate for thee, but though thou art a judge to the death, and past sentence may not be recalled, but to our honour's great disparagement, yet I will favour thee in what I can. Therefore, merchant, I'll limit thee this day to seek thy life by beneficial help. Try all the friends thou hast in Ephesus. Beg thou, or borrow, to make up the sum, and live. If no, thou art doomed to die. Gela, take him to thy custody.
0: I will, my lord.
1: Hopeless and helpless doth Aegeon wend, But to procrastinate his lifeless end.
0: Exempt Scene 2 The Mart Enter Antiphilus of Syracuse, Dromio of Syracuse, and First Merchant.
7: Therefore, give it, you are of Epidamnum lest that your goods too soon be confiscate. This very day, a Syracusan merchant is apprehended for arrival here, and not being able to buy out his life, according to the statute of the tune, dies ere the weary sun set in the west. There is your money that I had to keep. Go
3: bear to the centaur, where we host, and stay there, Dromeo, till I come to thee. Within this hour it will be dinner-time. Till that, I'll view the manners of the town, peruse the traders, gaze upon the buildings, and then return and sleep within mine inn, for with long travel I am stiff and weary. Get thee
6: away! Many a man would take you at your word, and go indeed, having so good a mien. Exit.
3: A trusty villain, sir, that very oft, when I am dull with care and melancholy, lightens my humour with his merry jests. What, will you walk with me about the town, and then... Go to my inn and dine with me.
7: I'm invited, sir, to certain merchants, of whom I hope to make much benefit. I crave your part. Soon, at five o'clock, please you, I'll meet with you upon the mart, and afterward consort you till bedtime. My present business calls me from you now.
3: Farewell till then. Uh, I will go lose myself and... Wander up and down to view the city.
7: Sir, I commend you to your own content.
3: Exit. He that commends me to mine own content commends me to the thing I cannot get. I, to the world, am like a drop of water that in the ocean seeks another drop, who, falling there to find his fellow forth, unseen, inquisitive, confounds himself. SO I, TO FIND A MOTHER AND A BROTHER, IN QUEST OF THEM UNHAPPY, LOSE MYSELF.
0: ENTER DROMEO OF Ephesus.
3: HERE COMES THE ALMANAC OF MY TRUE DATE. WHAT NOW? HOW CHANCE THOU ART RETURNED SO SOON?
6: RETURNED SO SOON? RATHER APPROACHED TOO LATE. THE CAPON BURNS, THE PIG falls FROM THE SPIT. THE CLOCK HATH STRUCKEN TWELVE UPON THE BELL. MY MISTRESS MADE IT ONE UPON MY CHEEK. SHE IS SO HOT BECAUSE THE MEAT IS COLD. The meat is cold because you come not home. You come not home because you have no stomach. You have no stomach having not broke your fast. But we that know what is to fast and pray are penitent for your default today.
3: Stop in thy wind, sir. Tell me this, I pray. Where have you left the money that I gave you?
6: Oh, sixpence that I had a Wednesday last to pay the saddler for my mistress' crupper. The saddler had it, sir. I kept it not.
3: I am not in a sport of humour now. Tell me and dally not. Where is the money?' We being strangers here, how darest thou trust so great a charge from thine own custody?
6: I pray you, sir, as you sit at dinner, I from my mistress come to you in post. If I return, I shall be post indeed, for she will score your fault upon my pate. Methinks your maw, like mine, should be your clock, and strike you home without a messenger.
3: Come, Dromio, come, these jests are out of season. Reserve them till a merrier hour than this. Where is the gold I gave in charge to thee?
6: To me, sir? Why, you gave no gold to me?
3: Come on, sir, Nate, have done your foolishness, and tell me how thou hast disposed thy charge.
6: My charge was but to fetch you from the mart home to your house the phoenix, sir, to dinner. My mistress and her sister stays for you.
3: In what safe place have you bestowed my money, or I shall break that merry sconce of yours that stands on tricks when I am undisposed? Where is the thousand marks thou hadst of me?
6: I have some marks of yours upon my pate, some of my mistress' marks upon my shoulders, but not a thousand marks between you both. I should pay your worship those again, perchance you will not bear them patiently.
3: Thy mistress' marks? What mistress' slave hast thou?
6: Your worship's wife, my mistress the phoenix, she that doth fast till you come home to dinner, and prays that you will hire you home to dinner.
3: What, wilt thou flirt me thus unto my face,
6: being forbid?' There! Take that, Sir Knave! What mean you, sir? For God's sake, hold your hands. Nay, and you will not, sir. I'll take my heels.
3: Exit. Upon my life, by some device or other, the villain is all wrought of all my money. They say this town is full of cousinage, as nimble jugglers that deceive the eye, dark-working sorcerers that change the mind, soul-killing witches that deform the body, disguised cheaters, prating mountebanks, and many such like liberties of sin. If it proves so, I will be gone the sooner. Also the centaur to
0: seek this slave,
3: I greatly fear my money is not safe. Exit.
0: End of Act 1. Act Two of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One The House of Antipholus of Ephesus. Enter Adriana and Luciana.
11: Neither my husband nor the slave returned, that in such haste I sent to seek his master. Sure, Luciana, it is two o'clock.
8: Perhaps some merchant hath invited him, and from the mart he's somewhere gone to dinner. Good sister, let us dine and never fret. A man is master of his liberty. Time is their master, and when they see time they'll go or come. If so, be patient, sister.
11: Why should their liberty than ours be more?
8: Because their business still lies out a door.
11: Look, when I serve him so, he takes it ill.
8: Oh, no, he is the bridle of your will.
11: There's none but asses will be bridled so.
8: Why, headstrong liberty is lashed with woe. There's nothing situate under heaven's eye but hath his bound, in earth, in sea, in sky. The beasts, the fishes, and the winged fowls are their male subjects and at their controls. Men, more divine, the masters of all these, lords of the wide world and wild watery seas, endued with intellectual sense and souls of more preeminence than fish and fowls, are masters to their females and their lords. Then let your will attend on their accords.
11: This servitude makes you to keep unwed.
8: Not this, but troubles of the marriage bed.
11: But were you wedded, you would bear some sway.
8: Ere I learn love, I'll practice to obey.
11: "'How, if your husband start some other where?'
8: "'Till he come home again I would forbear.'
11: "'Patience unmoved! No marvel, though she pause. They can be meek that have no other cause. A wretched soul bruised with adversity we bid be quiet when we hear it cry. But were we burdened with like weight of pain, as much or more would we ourselves complain.' So thou, that hast no unkind mate to grieve thee, with urging helpless patience wouldst relieve me. But if thou live to see like right bereft, this fool-begged patience in thee will be left.
8: Well, I will marry one day, but to try. Here comes your man. Now is your husband nigh.
11: Enter Dromio of Ephesus. Say, is your tardy master now at hand?
6: Nay, he's that two hands with me, and that my two ears can witness.
11: "'Say, didst thou speak with him, know'st thou his mind?'
6: Ay, ay. he told me his mind upon mine ear. "'Beshrew his hand, I scarce could understand it.'
8: "'Spake he so doubtfully thou couldst not feel his meaning?'
6: "'Nay, he struck so plainly. "'I could too well feel his blows, and withal so doubtfully that I could scarce understand them.' "'But
11: say, I prithee, is he coming home. "'It seems he hath great care to please his wife.'
6: Why, mistress, sure, my master is horn-mad.
11: Horn-mad, thou villain!
6: I mean not cuckold-mad, but sure he is stark-mad. When I desired him to come home to dinner, he asked me for a thousand marks in gold— "'Tis dinner-time, quoth I, my gold, quoth he. Your meat doth burn, quoth I, my gold, quoth he. Will you come home, quoth I, my gold, quoth he. Where is the thousand marks I gave thee, villain? The pig, quoth I, is burned, my gold, quoth he. My mistress, sir, quoth I, hang up thy mistress, I know not thy mistress, out on thy mistress.'
8: "'Quoth who?'
6: "'Quoth my master. I know, quoth he, no house, no wife, no mistress.' So that my errands do unto my tongue, I thank him, I bear home upon my shoulders, for in conclusion he did beat me there.
11: Go back again, thou slave, and fetch him home.
6: Go back again, and be new beaten home? For God's sake, send some other messenger.
11: Back, slave, or I will break thy pate across.
6: And he will bless that cross with other beating. Between you I shall have a holy head.
11: Hence, prating peasant, fetch thy master home.
6: Am I so round with you as you with me, That, like a football, you do spurn me thus? You spurn me hence, and he will spurn me hither. If I last in this service, you must case me in leather.
0: Exit. By
8: how impatience lowereth in your face! His company must do his minions' grace,
11: Whilst I at home starve for a merry look. Have homely age the alluring beauty took from my poor cheek? Then he hath wasted it. Are my discourses dull, barren my wit?' If voluble and sharp discourse be marred, unkindness blunts it more than marble hard. Do their gay vestments his affections bait? That's not my fault, he's master of my state. What ruins are in me that can be found by him not ruined? Then is he the ground of my defeatures? My decayed fair a sunny look of his would soon repair. But too unruly, dear, he breaks the pale and feeds from home. Poor I am but his stale.
8: Self-harming jealousy, fie! beat it
11: hence. Unfeeling fools can with such wrongs dispense. I know his eye doth homage otherwhere, Or else what lets it but he would be here. Sister, you know he promised me a chain. Would that alone, alone he would detain, So he would keep fair quarter with his bed. I see the jewel best enamelled will lose his beauty. Yet the gold bides still that others touch, And often touching will wear gold, And no man that hath a name by falsehood and corruption doth it shame. Since that my beauty cannot please his eye, I'll weep what's left away, and weeping die.
8: How many fond fools serve mad jealousy!
0: Exeunt Scene 2 A Public Place Enter Antiphilus of Syracuse The gold I gave to Dromio is laid
3: up safe at the centaur. And the heedful slave is wandered forth in care to seek me out by computation and mine host's report. I could not speak with Dromio since at first I sent him from the mart. See, here he comes. Enter
0: Romeo of Syracuse.
3: How now, sir? Is your merry humour altered? As you love strokes, so jest with me again. You know no centaur. You receive no gold. Your mistress sent to have me home to dinner, my house was at the phoenix. Wast thou mad that thus so madly thou didst answer me? What
6: answer, sir? When spoke I such a word?
3: Even now, even here, not half an hour since.
6: I did not see you since you sent me hence, home to the centaur, with the gold you gave me.
3: Villain, thou didst deny the gold's receipt, and told me of a mistress, and a dinner... For which I hope thou felt'st I was displeased.
6: I'm glad to see you in this merry vein. What means this jest? I pray you, master, tell me.
3: Yea, dost thou jeer and float me at the teeth? Think'st thou
0: I jest? Hold! Take that! And that! Beating him.
6: Hold, sir!
0: For God's sake!
6: Now your jest is earnest. Upon what bargain do you give it me? "'Because that I
3: familiarly sometimes do use you for my fool and chat with you, "'your sauciness will jest upon my love and make a comment of my serious hours. "'If you will jest with me, know my aspect and fashion your demeanour to my looks, "'or I will beat this method in your sconce.'
6: "'Sconce, call you it? "'So you would have battering. I had rather have it a head. "'And you use these blows long.' I must get a sconce for my head, and ensconce it too, or else I shall seek my wit in my shoulders. But I pray you, sir, why am I beaten? Dost thou not know? Nothing, sir, but that I am beaten.
3: Shall I tell you why?
6: Aye, sir, and wherefore, for they say every why hath a wherefore.
3: Why, first for flouting me, and then wherefore for urging it the second time to me.
6: Was there ever any man thus beaten out of season, when in the why and the wherefore is neither rhyme nor reason, well, sir, I thank you. Thank me, sir? For what? Merry, sir, for this something that you gave me for nothing. I'll make you amends next to give you nothing for
3: something. But say, sir, is it dinner time?
6: No, sir. I think the meat wants that I have.
3: In good time, sir, what's that?
6: Basting.
3: Well, sir, then it be dry.
6: If it be, sir, I pray you eat none of it. Your reason? Lest it make you choleric and purchase me another dry basting.
3: Well, sir, learn to jest in good time. There's a time for all things.
6: I durst have denied that before you were so choleric.
3: By what rule, sir?
6: Marry, sir, by a rule as plain as the plain bald paid Sir Father Time himself.
3: Well, let's hear it.
6: There's no time for a man to recover his hair that grows bald by nature.
3: May he not do it by fine and recovery?
6: Yes, to pay a fine for a periwig and recover the lost hair of another man.
3: Why is Time, such a niggard of hair, being as it is, so plentiful an excrement.
6: Because it is a blessing that he bestows on beasts, and what he hath scanted men in hair he hath given them in wit.
3: Why, but there's many a man hath more hair than wit.
6: Not a man of those, but he hath the wit to lose his hair.
3: Why, thou didst conclude hairy men plain dealers without wit.
6: The plainer dealer, the sooner lost, yet he loseth it in a kind of jollity.
3: For what reason?
6: For two, and sound ones too.
3: "'Nay, not sound, I pray you.'
6: "'Sure ones, then.'
3: "'Nay, not sure. in a thing falsing.'
6: "'Certain ones, then.'
3: Mm, "'Name them.'
6: "'The one, to save the money that he spends in trimming, "'the other, that at dinner they should not drop in his porridge.'
3: "'You would all this time have proved there is no time for all things.'
6: "'Marion did, sir. Namely, no time to recover hair lost by nature.'
3: "'But your reason was not substantial why there is no time to recover.'
6: Thus I mend it. Time himself is bold, and therefore to the world's end will have bold followers.
3: I knew twould would be a
0: bold conclusion, but soft. Who wafts us yonder? Enter Adriana and Luciana. Ay, I, I, Antiphilus,
11: look strange and frown. Some other mistress hath thy sweet aspects. I am not Adriana, nor thy wife. The time was once when thou unurged wouldst vow that never words were music to thine ear, that never object pleasing in thine eye, that never touch well welcomed to thy hand, that never meat sweet savoured in thy taste, unless I spake or looked or touched or carved to thee. How comes it now, my husband? Oh, how comes it that thou art thus estranged from thyself? Thyself I call it being strange to me, that undividable, incorporate, and better than thy dear self's better part. Ah, do not tear away thyself from me! For know, my love, as easy mayst thou fall a drop of water in the breaking gulf, and take unmingled that same drop again, without addition or diminishing, as take from me thyself, and not mean too. How dearly would it touch me to the quick, shouldst thou but hear I were licentious, and that this body, consecrate to thee by ruffian, lust should be contaminant! Wouldst thou not spit at me, and spurn at me, and hurl the name of husband in my face, and tear the stained skin from off my harlot brow, and from my false hand cut the wedding-ring, and break it with a deep divorcing vow? I know thou canst, and therefore see thou do it. I am possessed with an adulterate blot. My blood is mingled with the crime of lust. For if we two be one, and thou play false, I do digest the poison of thy flesh, Being strumpeted by thy contagion. Keep then far league and truce with thy true bed. I live unstained, thou undishonoured. Plead you to me,
3: fair dame? I know you not. In Ephesus I am but two hours old. As strange unto your town as to your talk, who every word by all my wit being scanned want wit
8: in all one word to understand. By, brother, how the world is changed with you. When were you wont to use my sister thus? She sent for you by Dromeo home to dinner.
11: By Dromeo? By me? By thee. And this thou didst return from him, that he did buffet thee, and in his blows denied my house for his, me for his wife. Did you converse,
3: sir, with this gentlewoman? What is the course and drift of your compact?
6: Aye, sir, I I never saw her till this time.
3: Villain, thou liest, for even her very words didst thou deliver to me on the mart.
6: I never spake with her in all my life.
3: How can she thus then call us by our names, Unless it be by inspiration,
11: how ill agrees it with your gravity to counterfeit thus grossly with your slave, abetting him to thwart me in my mood? Be it my wrong, you are from me exempt, but wrong not that wrong with a more contempt. Come, I will fasten on the sleeve of thine. Thou art an elm, my husband; I, a vine, whose weakness, married to thy stronger state, makes me with thy strength to communicate. If aught possess thee from me, it is dross, usurping ivy, briar, or idle moss. Who, all for want of pruning, with intrusion, infect thy sap, and live on thy confusion?
3: To me she speaks. She moves me for her theme. What, was I married to her in my dream? Or sleep I now and think I hear all this? What error drives our eyes and ears amiss? "'Until I know this sure uncertainty, I'll entertain the offered fallacy.'
8: "'Dromeo, go bid the servants spread for dinner.'
6: "'Oh, for my beads! I cross me for a sinner. This is the fairyland. "'Oh, spite of spites! We talk with goblins, owls, and sprites. "'If we obey them not, this will ensue. They'll suck our breath, or pinch us black and blue.'
8: "'Why praytest thou to thyself, and answerest not?' Romeo, thou drone, thou snail, thou slug, thou sot.
6: I am transformed, master, am I not?
3: I think
8: thou art in mind,
3: and so am I.
6: Nay, master, both in mind and in my shape.
8: Thou hast thine own form.
6: No, I am an ape.
8: If thou art changed to aught, tis to an ass.
6: Tis true, she rides me and I long for grass. Tis so, I am an ass. Else it could never be but I should know her as well as she knows me.
11: <sighs> come, come, no longer will I be a fool to put the finger in the eye and weep, whilst man and master laugh my woes to scorn. Come, sir, to dinner. Dromio, keep the gate. Husband, I will dine above with you to-day, and shrive you of a thousand idle pranks. Sirrah, if any ask you of your master, say he dines forth, and let no creature enter. Come, sister.' Dromio, play the porter well. Am I in earth, in heaven, or in hell? Sleeping
3: or waking mad or well advised? Known unto these, and to myself disguised? Huh, I'll say as they say, and persevere so. And in this mist, at all adventures
8: go.
6: Master, shall I be porter through the gate?
8: Ay, and let none enter,
0: lest I break your pate.
8: Come, come, Antipholus, we dine too late.
0: Excellent. End of Act Two. Act Three of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org act 3 scene 1 before the house of antiphilus of ephesus enter antiphilus of ephesus dromio of ephesus angelo and Balthasar.
3: good signor angelo you must excuse us all my wife is shrewish when i keep not hours say that i lingered with you at your shop to see the making of her carcanet and that tomorrow you will bring it home But here's a villain that would face me down, he met me on the mart, and that I beat him, and charged him with a thousand marks in gold, and that I did deny my wife and house. Thou
6: drunkard, thou, what didst thou mean by this? Say what you will, sir, but I know what I know, that you beat me at the mart. I have your hand to show. If the skin were parchment and the blows you gave were ink, your own handwriting would tell you what I think.
3: I think thou art an ass.
6: Marry so it doth appear. By the wrongs I suffer and the blows I bear, I should kick being kicked, and being at that pass, you would keep me from
4: my hills and beware of an ass.
3: You are sad, Signor Balthazar. Pray God our cheer may answer my good will and your good welcome here.
4: I hold your dainties cheap, sir, and your welcome dear.
3: Oh, Signor Balthazar, either at fish or flesh a table full of welcome makes scarce one dainty dish.
4: Good meat, sir, is common, that every churl affords.
3: And welcome more common, for that's nothing but words.
4: Small cheer and great welcome makes a merry feast.
3: Ay, to a niggardly host, and more sparing guest. But though my cates be mean, take them in good part. Better cheer may you have, but not with better heart. But soft, my door is locked. Go bid them let us in.
6: Maud, Bridget, Marion, Cecil, Gillian, Gin.
0: Dromio of Syracuse, within.
6: "'Mome, malt-horse, cape-on, coxcomb, idiot, patch! "'Either get thee from the door, or sit down at the hatch. "'Dost thou cudger for wenches that thou calls for such store, "'when one is too many? "'Go! Get thee from the door!' "'What patch is made our porter? "'My master stays in the street!' "'Let him walk from whence he came, lest he catch Coldon's feet.
3: "'Who talks with him there? Oh, open the door!'
6: "'Right, sir, I'll tell you when.' and you tell me wherefore
3: wherefore for my dinner i have not dined
6: to-day nor to-day here you must not come again when you may
3: what art thou that keepest me out from the house i owe
6: the porter for this time sir and my name is dromeo o oh, villain thou hast stolen both mine office and my name the one ne'er got me credit, the other mickle blame. If thou hadst been Dromeo to-day in my place, thou wouldst have changed thy face for a name, or thy name for an ass.
0: Luce, within. What coil is there, Dromeo? Who are those at the gate?
6: Let my master in, Luce.
0: Faith, no, he comes too late, and so tell your master.
6: Oh, Lord, I must laugh. Have at you with a proverb. Shall I set thee in my staff?
0: Have at you with another, that's... When, can you tell?
6: If thy name be called Lucha, Lucha thou hast answered him well.
3: Do you hear, you minion? You'll let us in, I hope?
0: I thought to have asked you.
6: And you said no. So come help, Well struck, there was blow for blow.
0: Thou baggage, let me in! Can you tell for whose sake?
6: Master, knock the door hard.
0: Let him knock till it ache.
11: You'll cry for this, minion, if I beat the door down. What needs all that, and a pair of stocks in the town? Who is at the door that keeps all this noise?
6: By my troth, your town is troubled with unruly boys.
11: Are you there, wife? You might have come before. Poor wife, sir, knave. Go get you from
6: the door. If you went in pain, master, this knave would go sore.
4: Here is neither cheer, sir, nor welcome. We would fain have either. In debating which was best, we shall part with neither.
3: There is something in the wind that we cannot get
6: in. You would say so, master, if your garments were thin. Your cake there is warm within, you stand here in the cold. It would make a man mad as a buck to be so bought and sold. Go fetch me something, I'll break open the gate. Break any bearing here, and I'll break your knave's pate. A man may break a word with you, sir, and words are but wind. Aye, and break it in your face, so he break it not behind. It seems thou want'st broken, as upon thee, hind.' Here's too much out upon thee, I pray thee. Let me in. Ay, when fowls have no feathers, and fish have no fin. Well, I'll break in. Go borrow me a crow. A crow without feather? Master, mean you so? For a fish without a fin, there's fowl without a feather. If a crow help
4: us in, sirrah, we'll pluck a crow together.
3: Go get
6: thee gone. Fetch me an iron
4: crow. Have patience, sir. Oh, let it not be so. Herein you war against your reputation, and draw within the compass of suspect the unviolated honor of your wife. Once this, your long experience of her wisdom, her sober virtue, years and modesty, plead on her part some cause to you unknown, and doubt not, sir, but she will well excuse why at this time the doors are made against you. Be ruled by me, depart in patience, and let us to the tiger all to dinner, and about evening come yourself alone to know the reason of this strange restraint. If by strong hand you offer to break in now in the stirring passage of the day, a vulgar comment will be made of it, and that supposed by the common rout against your yet ungalled estimation, that may with foul intrusion enter in and dwell upon your grave when you are dead, for slander lives upon succession, forever housed where it gets possession.
3: You have prevailed. I will depart in quiet, and, in despite of mirth mean to be merry, I know a wench of excellent discourse, pretty and witty, wild and yet too gentle. There will we dine. This woman that I mean, my wife, but I protest without dessert, hath oftentimes upbraided me withal. To her will we to dinner. To Angelo. Get you home and fetch the chain. By this I know tis made. Bring it, I pray you, to the porpentine, for there's the house. That chain will I bestow be it for nothing but to spite my wife upon mine hostess there. Good sir, make haste. Since mine own doors refuse to entertain me, I'll knock elsewhere to see if they'll disdain me.
2: I'll meet you at that place some hour hence.
3: Do so. This jest shall cost me some expense.
0: Excellent. Scene two. The same. Anteluciana and Antipholus of Syracuse
8: And may it be that you have quite forgot a husband's office shall Antipholus even in the spring of love thy love springs rot shall love in building grow so ruinous if you did wed my sister for her wealth then for her wealth's sake use her with more kindness or if you like elsewhere do it by stealth muffle your false love with some show of blindness let not my sister read it in your eye. Be not thy tongue thy own shame's orator. Look sweet, be fair, become disloyalty, apparel vice like virtue's harbinger. Bear a fair presence though your heart be tainted. Teach sin in the carriage of a holy saint. Be secret, false. What need she be acquainted? What simple thief brags of his own attaint? Tis double wrong to truant with your bed, And let her read it in thy looks at board. Shame hath a bastard fame, well managed. Ill deeds are doubled with an evil word. Alas, poor women! Make us but believe, being compact of credit, That you love us. Though others have the arm, show us the sleeve. We in your motion turn, and you may move us. Then, gentle brother, get you in again. Comfort my sister, cheer her, call her wife. "'Tis holy sport to be a little vain "'when the sweet breath of flattery conquers strife.
3: "'Sweet mistress, what your name is else I know not, "'nor by what wonder you do hit of mine. "'Less of your knowledge and your grace you show not "'than our earth's wonder, more than earth divine. "'Teach me, dear creature, how to think and speak. "'Lay open to my earthy gross conceit smothered in errors.' Feeble, shallow, weak, the folded meaning of your word's deceit. Against my soul's pure truth, why labor you to make it wander in an unknown field? Are you a god? Would you create me new? Transform me then, and to your power I'll yield. But if that I am I, then well I know your weeping sister is no wife of mine, nor to her bed no homage do I owe. Far more, far more to you do I decline. O train me not, sweet mermaid, with thy note To drown me in thy sister's flood of tears. Spread o'er the silver waves thy golden hairs, And as a bed I'll take them and there lie, And in that glorious supposition think He gains by death that hath such means to die. Let love, being light, be drowned if she sink.
8: What, are you mad that you do reason so?
3: Not mad, but mated. How, I do not know.
8: It is a fault that springeth from your eye.
3: For gazing on your beams, fair sun, being by.
8: Gaze where you should, and that will clear your sight.
3: As good to wink, sweet love, as look on night.
8: Why call you me love? Call my sister so.
3: Thy sister's sister.
8: That's my sister.
3: No, it is thyself. Mine own self's better part. Mine eye's clear eye. MY DEAR HEART'S DEARER HEART, MY FOOD, MY FORTUNE, AND MY SWEET HOPE'S AIM, MY SOUL EARTH'S HEAVEN, AND MY HEAVEN'S CLAIM.
8: ALL THIS MY SISTER IS, OR ELSE SHOULD BE.
3: CALL THYSELF SISTER SWEET, FOR I AM THEE. THEE WILL I LOVE, AND WITH THEE LEAD MY LIFE. THOU HAST NO HUSBAND YET, NOR I NO WIFE. GIVE ME THY
8: HAND. O SOFT AIR! Hold you still. I'll fetch my sister to get
0: her good will. Exit. Enter Dromio of Syracuse.
6: Why, how now, Dromeo, where runst thou so fast? Do you know me, sir? Am I Dromio? Am I your man? Am I myself? Thou art, Dromeo, thou art my man, thou art thyself. I am an ass. I am a woman's man and besides myself.
3: What woman's man? And how besides thyself, besides thyself?
6: Marry, sir, besides myself, I am due to a woman, one that claims me, one that haunts me, one that will have me. What claim lays she to thee? Marry, sir, such claim as you would lay to your horse, and she would have me as a beast. Not that I, being a beast, she would have me, but that she, being a very beastly creature, lays claim to me.
3: What is she?
6: A very reverent body. I such a one as a man may not speak of without say sir reverence i have but lean luck in the match and yet is she a wondrous fat marriage
3: how dost thou mean a fat marriage very sir
6: she's the kitchen wench and all grease, and i know not what use to put her to but to make a lamp of her and run from her by her own light I warrant her rags and the tallow in them will burn a Poland winter. If she lives till doomsday, she'll burn a week longer than the whole world. What
3: complexion is she of?
6: Swart, by my shoe. But her face, nothing half so clean kept for. Why, she sweats. A man may go over shoes in the grime of it.
3: That's a fault that water will mend.
6: No, sir, tis in grain. Noah's flood could not do it.
3: What's her name?
6: Nell, sir, but her name and three-quarters, that's an L and three-quarters, will not measure her from hip to hip. Then she bears some breadth. No longer from head to foot than from hip to hip. She is spherical, like a globe. I could find out countries in her.
3: In what part of her body stands Ireland?
6: Mary, in her buttocks. I found it out by the bogs.
3: Where's Scotland?
6: I found it by the barrenness, hard in the palm of the hand.
3: Where France?
6: In her forehead, armed and reverted, making war against her heir.
3: Where England?
6: I looked for the chalky cliffs, but I could find no whiteness in them. But I guess it stood in her chin by the salt room that ran between France and it. Where Spain? Faith I saw it not, but I felt it hot in her breath.
3: Where America, the Indies?
6: Oh, sir... Upon her nose, all o'er embellished with rubies, carbuncles, sapphires, <laughs> declining their rich aspect to the hot breath of Spain, who sent whole armados of cracks to be ballasted at her nose.
3: Where stood Belgium, the Netherlands?
6: Oh, sir, I did not look so low. To conclude, this drudge or diviner laid claim to me, called me Dromeo, swore I was assured to her, told me what pretty marks I had about me, as the mark of my shoulder, the mole in my neck, the great wart on my left arm, that I amaze ran from her as a witch. And I think, if my breast had not been made of faith, and my heart of steel, she had transformed me to a kirtle-dog, and made me turn in the wheel.
3: Go, hie thee presently, post to the road.' And if the wind will blow any way from shore, I will not harbor in this town to-night. If any bark put forth, come to the mart, where I will walk till thou return to me. If every one knows us, and we know none, 'tis time, I think, to trudge, pack, and be gone.
6: As from a bear a man would run for life, so fly I from her that would be my wife.
3: Exit. There's none but witches do inhabit here, and therefore 'tis high time that I were hence. She that doth call me husband, even my soul doth for a wife abhor. But her fair sister, possessed with such a gentle, sovereign grace of such enchanting presence and discourse, hath almost made me traitor to myself. But lest myself be guilty to self-wrong, I'll stop my ears against the mermaid's song. Enter Angelo
0: with the chain.
2: Master Antiphilus.
0: Aye, that's my name.
2: I know it well, sir. Lo, here is the chain. I thought to obtain you at Porpentine. The chain unfinished made me stay thus long.
3: What is your will that I shall do with this?
2: What, please yourself, sir. I have made it for you.
3: Made it for me, sir? I bespoke it not.
2: Not once, not twice, but twenty times you have. Go home with it and please your wife withal. And soon at supper time I'll visit you and then receive my money for the chain.
3: I pray you, sir, receive the money now. For fear you ne'er see chain nor money more.
2: You are a merry man, sir. Fare you well.
3: Exit. Ha! Huh. What should I think of this? I cannot tell. But this, I think, there's no man in so vain that would refuse so fair an offered chain. I see a man here needs not live by shifts when in the streets he made such golden gifts. I'll to the mart, and there for Dromio stay, If any ship put out, then straight away. Exit. End
0: of Act 3 Act 4 of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act four scene one A Public Place Enter second merchant, Angelo, and an officer.
9: You know since Pentecost the sum is due, and since I have not much importuned you, nor now I had not, but that I am bound to Persia, and want guilders for my voyage. Therefore make present satisfaction, or I'll attach you by this officer.
2: Even just the sum that I do owe to you is growing to me by Antipholus, and in the instant that I met with you, he had of me a chain. At five o'clock I shall receive the money for the same. Pleaseth you walk with me down to his house? I will discharge my
4: bond, and thank you too.
0: Enter Antiphilus of Ephesus, and Dromio of Ephesus, from the courtesans.
4: That labor may save you.
0: See
9: where he comes.
3: While I go to the goldsmith's house, go thou and buy a rope's end. That will I bestow among my wife and her confederates for locking me out of my doors by day. But, soft, I see the goldsmith. Get thee gone, buy thou a rope, and bring it home to me.
6: I buy a thousand pound a year. I buy a rope.
3: Exit. A man is well hope-up that trusts to you, I promise at your presence and the chain but neither chain nor goldsmith came to me. But like you thought our love would last too long if it were chained together, and therefore came not.
2: Saving your merry humor, here's the note how much your chain weighs to the utmost carat, the fineness of the gold, and chargeful fashion, which doth amount to three odd ducats more than I stand debted to this gentleman. I pray you see him presently discharged, for he is bound to see, and stays but for it.
3: I am not furnished with the present money. Besides, I have some business in the town. Good signor, take the stranger to my house, and with you take the chain, and bid my wife disperse the sum on the receipt thereof. Perchance I will be there as soon as you.
2: Then you will bring the chain to her yourself?
3: No, bear it with you, lest I come not time enough.
2: Well, sir, I will. Have you the chain about you?
3: And if I have not, sir, I hope you have, or else you may return without your money.
2: Nay, come, I pray you, sir, give me the chain. Both wind and tide stays for this gentleman. I, to blame, have held him here too long.
3: Good Lord, you use this dalliance to excuse your breach of promise to the porpentine. I should have you chid for not bringing it.
9: But, like a shrew, you first begin to brawl the hour steals on i pray you sir dispatch
2: you hear how he importunes me the chain
9: why give it to my wife and fetch your money
2: come come you know i gave it you even now either send the chain or send me by some token
3: fine now you run this humor out of breath
9: where's the chain i pray you let me see it my business cannot brook this dalliance good sir say whether you'll answer me or no If not, I'll leave him to the officer.
3: I answer you! What should I answer you?
2: The money that you owe me for the chain.
3: I owe you none till I receive the chain.
2: You know I gave it you half an hour since.
3: You gave me none! You wrong me much to say so!
2: You wrong me more, sir, in denying it. Consider how it stands upon my credit.
9: Well, officer, arrest him at my suit. I do and charge you in the duke's name to obey me.
2: This touches me in reputation. Either consent to pay this sum for me, or I attach you by this officer.
3: Consent to pay thee that I never had? Arrest me, foolish fellow, if thou darest.
2: Here is thy fee. Arrest him, officer. I would not spare my brother in this case, if he should scorn me so apparently. I do arrest you, sir. You hear the suit?
3: i do obey thee till i give thee bail but sirrah you shall buy this sport as dear as all the metal in your shop will answer
2: sir sir i will have law in ephesus to your notorious shame i doubt it
6: not
0: enter dromio of syracuse from the bay
6: master there is a bark of epidamnum that stays but till her owner comes aboard and then sir she bears away "'Our fortage, sir, I have conveyed aboard, "'and I have bought the oil, the balsamum, and aquavitae. "'The ship is in her trim, the merry wind blows fair from land. "'They stay for naught at all but for their own, master, and yourself.'
3: "'How now, a madman! Why, thou peevish sheep, "'what ship of Epidamnum stays for me?'
6: "'A ship you sent me to, to hire waftage.
3: "'Thou drunken slave! I sent thee for a rope, "'and told thee to what purpose and what end.'
6: You sent me for a rope's end as soon. You sent me to the bay, sir, for a bark.
3: I will debate this matter at more leisure and teach your ears to list me with more heed. To Adriana, villain, hide thee straight. Give her this key and tell her in the desk that's covered o'er with Turkish tapestry there is a purse of ducats. Let her send it. Tell her I am arrested in the street and that shall bail me. Hide thee, slave, be gone. On, officer, to prison till it come.
0: Excellent second merchant, Angelo, officer, and Antiphilus of Ephesus.
6: To so Adriana, that is where we dined, where Dousebel did claim me for her husband. She is too big, I hope, for me to compass. Thither I must, although against my will, servants must their master's minds fulfill.
0: Exit. Scene 2. THE HOUSE OF Antipholus OF EPHESUS Enter Adriana and Luciana.
11: Ah, Luciana, did he tempt thee so? Might thou perceive austerely in his eye that he did plead in earnest, yea or no? Looked he red or pale, or sad or merrily? What observation made thou in this case of his heart's meteors tilting in his face?
8: First he denied you had in him no right.
11: He meant he did me none, the more my spite.
8: Then swore he that he was a stranger here.
11: And true he swore, though yet forsworn he were.
8: Then pleaded I for you. And what said he? That love I begged for you he begged of me.
11: With what persuasion did he tempt thy love?
8: With words that in an honest suit might move. First he did praise my beauty, then my speech. Didst
11: speak him fair?
8: Have patience, I beseech.
11: I cannot, nor I will not, hold me still. My tongue, though not my heart, shall have his will. He is deformed, crooked, old and sere, ill-faced, worse-bodied, shapeless everywhere, vicious, ungentle, foolish, blunt, unkind, stigmatical in making worse in mind.
8: Who would be jealous, then, of such a one? No evil lost is wailed when it is gone. Ah, but I think him better than I say, and yet would here in others' eyes were worse—
11: Far from her nest, the lapwing cries away. My heart prays for
0: him, though my tongue do curse. Enter Dromio of Syracuse.
6: Here, go, the desk, the purse, sweet. Now, make haste.
8: How hast thou lost thy breath?
6: By running fast.
8: Where is thy
11: master, Dromio? Is he well?
6: No. Who's in Tartar Limbo worse than hell? A devil in an everlasting garment hath him. One whose hard heart is buttoned up with steel. A fiend, a fury, pitiless and rough, a wolf, nay no, worse, a fellow all in buff, a black friend, a shoulder-clapper, one that countermands the passages of alleys, creeks, and narrow lands, a hound that runs counter and yet draws dry foot well, one that before the judgment carries poor souls to hell.
11: Why, man, what is the matter?
6: I do not know the matter. He is arrested on the case.
11: What has he arrested? Tell me at whose suit.
6: "'I know not at whose suit he is arrested well, "'but he's in a suit of buff which rested him. "'That I can tell. "'Would you send him, Mistress Redemption, "'the money in his desk?'
11: "'Go fetch it, sister. "'Exit Luciana. "'This I wonder at, "'that he, unknown to me, should be in debt. "'Tell me, was he arrested on a band?'
6: "'Not on a band, "'but on a stronger thing, "'a chain, a chain. "'Do you not hear it ring?'
11: "'What? The chain?'
6: "'No, no, the bell. "'Tis time that I were gone.' It was two ere I left him, and now the clock strikes one.
11: The hour's come back that did I never hear.
6: Oh, yes. If any hour meet a sergeant, I turn's back for very fear.
11: As if time were in debt, how fondly dost thou reason!
6: Time is a very bankrupt, and owes more than he's worth to season. Nay, he's a thief, too. Have you not heard men say that time comes stealing on by night and day? If time be in debt and theft, and a sergeant in the way, hath he not reason to turn back an hour in a day?'
0: Re-enter Luciana with a purse. Go, Romeo. there's the money. Bear it straight, and
11: bring thy master home immediately. Come, sister, I am pressed down with conceit.
0: Conceit my comfort and my injury. Exempt. Scene 3. A public place. Enter Antiphilus of Syracuse.
3: There's not a man I meet, but doth salute me as if I were their well-acquainted friend. And every one doth call me by my name. Some tender money to me, some invite me. Some other give me thanks for kindnesses. Some offer me commodities to buy. Even now a tailor called me in his shop and showed me silks that he had bought for me, and therewithal took measure of my body. Sure, these are but imaginary wiles and Lapland
0: sorcerers inhabit here. Enter Dromeo of Syracuse.
6: Master, here's the gold you sent me for. What, have you got the picture of old Adam you apparelled? What gold is this? What Adam dost thou mean? Not that Adam that kept the paradise, but that Adam that keeps the prison, he that goes in the calf's skin that was killed for the prodigal, that he came behind you, sir, like an evil angel and bid you forsake your liberty. I understand thee not. No. Why, tis a plain case. He that went like a base viol in a case of leather, the man sir, that, when gentlemen are tired, gives them a sob and rests them. He, sir, that takes pity on decayed men and gives them suits of durance. He that sets up his rest to do more exploits than his mace than a Morris Pike. What, a um, meanest an officer? Aye, sir, the sergeant of the band. He that brings any man to answer if that breaks his band. One that thinks a man always going to bed and says, God give you good rest.
3: Well, sir, their rest in your foolery, is there any...
6: Why, sir? I brought you word an hour since that the Bark expedition put forth to-night, and then were you hindered by the sergeant to tarry for the hoy delay. Here are the angels that you sent for to deliver you.
3: The fellow is distract. And so am I. And here we wander in illusions. Some blessed power deliver us from hence. Enter a
0: courtesan.
5: Well met, well met, Master Antiphilus. I see, sir. You have found the goldsmith now. Is that the chain you promised me to-day?
3: "'Satan, avoid! I charge thee, tempt me not!' "'Master,
6: is this Mistress Satan?' "'It is the devil.' "'Nay, she is worse. She is the devil's dam. "'And here she comes in the habit of a light wench, "'and thereof comes that wench's say, God damn me. "'That's as much to say, God make me a light wench. "'It is written, they appear, to men like angels of light. "'Light is an effect of fire, and fire will burn.' ergo light wenches will burn come not near her
5: your man and you are marvellous merry sir will you go with me we'll mend our dinner here
6: master if you do expect spoon meat or bespeak a long spoon
5: why Romeo,
6: merry he must have a long spoon that must eat with the devil
3: avoid that fiend what tellst thou me of supping thou art as you are all a sorceress i conjure
5: thee to leave me and be gone Give me the ring of mine you had at dinner, or, for my diamond, the chain you promised, and I'll be gone, sir, and not trouble you.
6: Some devils ask but the pairings of one's nail, a rush, a hair, a drop of blood, a pin, a nut, a cherry stone, but she, more covetous, would have a chain. Master, be wise, and if you give it to her, the devil will shake her chain and fright us with it.
5: I pray you, sir, my ring, or else the chain, I hope you do not mean to cheat
0: me so. "'Aboard, thou witch! Come, Dromio, let us go!'
6: "'Fly pride,' says the peacock, mistress, that you know.
0: Excellent Antiphilus of Syracuse, and Dromio of Syracuse. "'Now,
5: out of doubt Antiphilus is mad, "'else would he never so demean himself. "'A ring he hath of mine worth forty ducats, "'and for the same he promised me a chain. "'Both one and other he denies me now. "'The reason that I gather he is mad.' Besides this present instance of his rage, is a mad tale he told to-day at dinner, of his own doors being shut against his entrance. Belik, his wife, acquainted with his fits, on purpose shut the doors against his way. My way is now to hie home to his house and tell his wife that, being lunatic, he'd rushed into my house and took perforce for my ring away. This course I fittest choose for forty ducats is too much to
0: lose. Exit Scene 4 A Street Enter Antiphilus of Ephesus and the officer. Fear
3: me not, man, I will not break away. I'll give thee, ere I leave thee, so much money to warrant thee as I am rested for. My wife is in a wayward mood today and will not lightly trust the messenger that I should be attached in Ephesus. I tell you, twill sound harshly in her ears.
0: Enter Dromeo of Ephesus, with the rope's end. Here comes my man.
3: I think he brings the money. How now, sir? Have you that I sent you for?
6: Here's that, I warrant you. We'll pay them all.
3: But where's the money?
6: Why, sir, I gave the money for the rope.
3: Five hundred ducats, villain, for a
6: rope? I'll serve you, sir, five hundred at the rate. To
3: what end did I bid thee home?
6: To a rope's end, sir, and to that end am I returned.
3: And to that end, sir, I will welcome you.
0: Beating him.
6: Good, sir, be patient. Nay, tis for me to be patient. I am in adversity. Good now, hold thy tongue. Nay, rather persuade him to hold his hands.
3: Thou whoresun, senseless villain!
6: I would I were senseless, sir, that I might not feel your blows.
3: Thou art sensible in nothing but blows and so is an ass.
6: I am an ass, indeed. You may prove it by my long ears. I have served him from the hour of my nativity to this instant and have nothing at his hands for my service but blows. When I am cold, he heats me with beating. When I am warm, he calls me with beating. I am waked with it when I sleep, raised with it when I sit, driven out of doors with it when I go from home, welcomed home with it when I return. Nay, I bear it on my shoulders as a beggar want her brat. "'And, I think, when he hath lamed me, "'I shall beg with it from door to door.'
0: "'Come, go along. My wife is coming yonder.' "'Enter Adriana, Luciana, the courtesan, and Pinch.'
6: "'Mistress, respis Finum, respect your end, "'or rather the prophecy like the parrot beware the rope's end.'
5: "'Wilt thou still talk?' "'Beating him. "'How say you now? Is not your husband mad?' "'His incivility confirms no less.'
11: Good Dr. Pinch, you are a conjurer. Establish him in his true sense again, and I will please you what you will demand.
5: Alas, how fiery and how sharp he looks. Mark, how he trembles in his ecstasy.
10: Give me your hand, and let me feel your pulse.
5: (laughs) There is my hand, and let it feel your
0: ear. Striking him.
10: I charge thee, Satan, housed within this man, to yield possession to my holy prayers, and to thy state of darkness. Hie thee straight. I conjure thee by all the saints in heaven.
11: Peace, doting wizard, peace! Uh, I am not mad! Oh, that thou wert not poor, distressed soul! You minion! You are these your customers? Did this companion
3: with the saffron face revel and feasted at my house today, whilst upon me the guilty doors were shut and I denied to enter in
11: my house? O oh, husband, God doth know you dined at home. Where would you have remained until this time, free from these slanders and this open shame? Dined at home, thou villain! What sayest thou, sir?
6: Sooth to say you did not dine at home.
3: Were not my doors locked up and I shut out?
6: Purdy, your doors were locked and you shut out.
3: And did not she herself revile me there?
6: Son's fable, she herself reviled you there.
3: Did not her kitchen-maid rail taunt and scorn me?
6: Certes, she did. The kitchen vestal scorned you.
3: And did not I, in
11: rage, depart from thence?
6: In verity you did. My bones bear witness that since have felt the vigour of his rage.
11: It's good to soothe him in these contraries.
6: It is
10: no shame. The fellow finds his vein, And yielding to him humors well his frenzy. Thou hast
11: suborned the goldsmith to arrest me. Alas, I sent you money to redeem you By Dromio here, who came in haste for it.
6: Money by me? Heart and goodwill you might, but surely, master, Not a rag of money
11: whence not thou to her for a purse of ducat he came to me and i
8: delivered it and i am witness with her that she did
6: god and the rope maker bear me witness that i was sent for nothing but a rope mistress both man and master
10: is possessed i know it by their pale and deadly looks they must be bound and laid in some dark room Say, wherefore didst thou lock me forth to-day, and why dost thou deny the
11: bag of gold? I did not, gentle husband, lock thee forth.
6: And, gentle master, I received no gold, but I confess, sir, that we were locked out.
11: Dissembling villain, thou speak'st false in both. Dissembling
3: harlot, thou art false in all, and art confederate with a damned pack to make a loathsome abject scorn of me. But with these nails, I'll pluck out these false eyes that would behold in me this shameful sport.
0: Enter three or four and offer to bind him. He strives. Oh, bind him, bind him! Let him not come near me.
10: More company. The fiend is strong within him.
8: Ay, me, poor man! How pale and wan he looks! What will you murder me? Thou jailer, thou! I am
10: thy prisoner. Wilt thou suffer them to make a rescue? Masters, let him go. He is my prisoner, and you shall not have him. Go bind this man, for he is frantic too.
0: They offer to bind Dromeo of Ephesus. What wilt thou do, thou peevish officer? Hast thou delight to see a
11: wretched man do outrage and displeasure to himself?
9: He is my prisoner. If I let him go, the debt he owes will be required of me.
11: I will discharge thee, ere I go from thee. Bear me forthwith unto his creditor, And knowing how the debt grows, I will pay it. Good master doctor, see him safe conveyed home to my house. O most unhappy day! O most unhappy strumpet!
6: Master, I am here entered in bond for you.
3: Out on thee, villain, wherefore dost thou mad me?
6: Will you be bound for nothing? Be mad, good master, cry the devil!
8: God help, poor souls, how idly do they talk!
0: Go bear him hence. Sister, go you with me. Excellent all but Adriana, Luciana, officer, and courtesan. Say now, whose suit is he arrested at?
9: One Angelo, a goldsmith. Do you know him? I know the
11: man. What's the sum he owes?
9: Two hundred ducats. Say, how grows it due? Due for a chain your husband had of him.
5: He did bespeak a chain for me, but had it not. When, as your husband, all enraged today, came to my house and took away my ring, the ring I saw upon his finger now, Straight after did I meet him with a chain.
11: It may be so, but I did never see it. Come,
0: jailer, bring me where the goldsmith is. I long to know the truth thereof at large. Enter Antiphilus of Syracuse, with his rapier drawn, and Dromio of Syracuse.
11: God, for thy mercy, they are loose again. And come with naked swords. Let's call more help to have them bound again.
0: Away, they'll cure us. Exeunt all but Antiphilus of Syracuse, and Dromio of Syracuse.
11: I see these
3: witches are afraid of swords.
6: She that would be your wife now ran from you.
0: Come to the
3: centaur. Fetch our stuff from thence. I long that we were safe and sound aboard.
6: Faith, stay here this night. They will surely do us no harm. You saw they speak us fair, give us gold. Methinks they are such a gentle nation that, but for the mountain of mad flesh that claims marriage of me, I could find in my art to stay here still and turn witch...
3: I will not stay tonight for all the town, therefore away to get our stuff aboard. Excellent.
0: End of Act Four. Act five of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Act Five, Scene One, A Street Before a Priory. Enter Second Merchant and Angelo.
2: I am sorry, sir, that I have hindered you, but I protest he had the chain of me, though most dishonestly he doth deny
9: it. How is the man esteemed here in the city?
2: A very reverend reputation, sir, of credit infinite, highly beloved, second to none, that lives here in the city. His word might bear my wealth at any
9: time. Speak softly, yonder as I think he walks.
0: Enter Antipholus of Syracuse, and Dromio of Syracuse.
2: Tis so, and that self-chain about his neck which he forswore most monstrously to have. Good sir, draw near to me. I'll speak to him. Signor Antipholus, I wonder much that you would put me to this shame and trouble, and not without some scandal to yourself, with circumstances and oaths, so to deny this chain which now you wear so openly. Beside the, the charge, the shame, imprisonment you have done wrong to this my honest friend who but for staying on our controversy and hoisted sail and put to sea to-day this chain you had of me can you deny it
9: i think i had i never did deny it yes that you did sir and forswore it too who heard me to deny it or forswear it these ears of mine thou knowest did hear thee fie on thee wretch "'Tis pity that thou livest to walk "'where any honest man resort.'
3: "'Thou art a villain to impeach me thus. "'I'll prove mine honour and mine honesty "'against thee presently, if thou darest stand.' "'I
9: dare, and do defy thee for a villain.'
0: "'They draw. "'Enter Adriana, Luciana, the courtesan, and others.' "'Hold, hurt him
11: not, for God's sake. "'He is mad. "'Some get within him, take his sword away.' Bind Dromeo to, and bear them to my house.
6: Run, master, run, for God's sake, take a house. This is some priory. In, or we are spoiled.
0: Excellent Antiphilus of Syracuse, and Dromeo of Syracuse, to the priory. Enter the Lady Abbess, Emilia. Be quiet, people.
11: Wherefore throng you hither? To fetch my poor distracted husband hence. Let us come in, with me may bind him fast, and bear him home for his recovery.
9: I knew He was not in his perfect wits. I am sorry now that I did draw on him.
11: How long hath this possession held the man? This week he hath been heavy, sour, sad, and much different from the man he was. But till this afternoon his passion ne'er break into extremity of rage.
12: Hath he not lost much wealth by wreck of sea? Buried some dear friend? Hath not else his eye strayed his affection in unlawful love? A sin prevailing much in youthful men who give their eyes the liberty of gazing. Which of these sorrows
11: is he subject to? To none of these, except it be the last. Namely, some love that drew him oft from home. You should, for that, have reprehended him. Why, so I did. Ay, but not rough enough. As roughly as my modesty would let me? Haply in private. And in assemblies, too? Ay, but not enough. It was the copy of our conference. In bed he slept not for my urging it. At board he fed not for my urging it. Alone it was the subject of my theme. In company I often glanced it. Still did I tell him it was vile and bad.
12: And thereof came it that the man was mad. The venom clamours of a jealous woman Poisons more deadly than a mad dog's tooth. It seems his sleeps were hindered by thy railing, and therefore comes it that his head is light thou say'st his meat was sauced with thy upbraidings and quiet meals make ill digestions thereof the raging fire of fever-bred and what's a fever but a fit of madness thou say'st his sports were hindered by thy brawls sweet recreation bard what doth ensue but moody and dull melancholy Kinsmen to grim and comfortless despair, and at her heels a huge infectious troop of pale distemperatures and foes to life, in food, in sport and life preserving rest to be disturbed would mad or man or beast. The consequence is then thy jealous fits have scared thy husband from the
8: use of wits. She never reprehended him but mildly, when he demeaned himself rough, rude and wildly. Why bear you these rebukes and answer not she
11: did betray me to my own reproof good people enter and lay hold on him no
12: not a creature enters in my house then let your servants bring my husband forth neither he took this place for sanctuary and it shall privilege him from your hands till i have brought him to his wits again or lose my labor in
11: assaying it i will attend my husband be his nurse diet his sickness For it is my office, and will have no attorney but myself, and therefore let me have him home with me. Be patient,
12: for I will not let him stir, till I have used the approved means I have, the wholesome syrups, drugs, and holy prayers, to make of him a formal man again. It is a branch and parcel of mine oath, a charitable duty of my order. Therefore depart, and leave
11: him here with me. I will not hence and leave my husband here. And ill it doth beseem your holiness to separate the husband and the wife. Be quiet and depart. Thou shalt not have him. Exit.
8: Complain unto the duke of this indignity.
11: Come, go. I will fall prostrate at his feet, and never rise until my tears and prayers have won his grace, to come in person hither, and take perforce my husband from the abbess.
9: By this, I think, the dial points at five. Anon, I am sure, the duke himself in person comes this way to the melancholy vale. THE PLACE OF DEATH AND SORRY EXECUTION, BEHIND THE DITCHES OF THE ABBEY HERE. UPON WHAT CAUSE? TO SEE A REVEREND SYRACUSIAN MERCHANT, WHO PUT UNLUCKILY INTO THIS BAY AGAINST THE LAWS AND STATUTES OF THIS TOWN, BEHEADED PUBLICLY FOR HIS OFFENSE.
2: SEE WHERE THEY COME, WE WILL BEHOLD HIS DEATH.
0: Kneel TO THE DUKE BEFORE HE PASSED THE ABBEY. ENTER DUKE SOLINUS ATTENDED. Aegean bareheaded, with the headsman and other officers.
7: Yet once again proclaim it publicly. If any friend will pay the sum for him, he shall not die, so much we tend to him.
11: Justice, most sacred duke against the abbess.
7: He is a virtuous and a reverend lady. It cannot be that she hath done thee wrong.
11: May it please your grace. Antipholus, my husband, whom I made lord of me and all I had, at your important letters, This ill day a most outrageous fit of madness took him, that desperately he hurried through the street, with him his bondmen, all as mad as he, doing displeasure to the citizens by rushing in their houses, bearing thence rings, jewels, anything his rage did like. Once did I get him bound and sent him home, whilst to take order for the wrongs I went that here and there his fury had committed. Anon I wot not by what strong escape he broke from those that had the guard of him, And with his mad attendant and himself, each one with ireful passion, with drawn swords, met us again and madly bent on us, chased us away, till raising of more aid we came again to bind them. Then they fled into this abbey whither we pursued them. And here the abbess shuts the gates on us, and will not suffer us to fetch him out, nor send him forth that we may bear him hence. Therefore, most gracious duke, with thy command, let him be brought forth and borne hence for help.'
7: Long since thy husband served me in my wars, and I to thee engaged a prince's word, where thou didst make him master of thy bed, to do him all the grace and good I could. Go, some of you, knock with the abbey gate, and bid the lady abbess come to me. I will determine this before I stir.
0: Enter a servant. O oh mistress, mistress, shift and save yourself. The master and his men are both broke loose beaten the maids a row, and bound the doctor, whose beard they have cinched off with brands of fire, and ever as it blazed, they threw on him great pails of puddled mire to quench the hair. My master preaches patience to him, and devile his men with scissors, nicks him like a fool, and sure, unless you send some present help, between them they will kill the conjurer.
11: Peace, fool! Thy master and his man are here, and that is false thou dost report to us.
0: Mistress, upon my life, I tell you true. I have no priest almost since I did see it. He cries for you, and woes, if he can take you, to scratch your face and to disfigure you. Cry within. Hark, hark, I hear him, mistress. Fly, be gone. Come,
7: stand by me, fear nothing. God, with halberds? i me.
11: It is my husband. Witness you that he is born about invisible. Even now we housed him in the abbey here. And now he's there, past thought of
0: human reason. Enter Antiphilus of Ephesus and Jomeo of Ephesus.
3: Justice, most gracious duke, O grant me justice. Even for the service that long since I did thee, when I bestrid thee in the wars and took deep scars to save thy life, even for the blood that then I lost for thee, now grant me justice.
1: Unless the fear of death doth make me doubt, I see my son, Antifolus Just
3: Justice, sweet prince, against that woman there, she whom thou gavest to me to be my wife, that hath abused and dishonored me even to the strength and height of injury, beyond imagination is the wrong, that she this day hath shameless thrown on me. Discover how, or thou shalt find me just. This day, great duke, she shut the doors upon me Well. She
7: with harlots feasted in my house. A grievous fault. Say, woman, didst thou say?
11: No, my good lord, myself, he, and my sister to-day did dine together. So befall my soul, as this is false, he burdens me withal.
8: Ne'er may I look on day, nor sleep on night, But she tells to your highness simple truth.
2: O perjured woman, they are both forsworn. And this the madman justly chargeth them.
3: My liege, I am advised what I say, Neither disturbed with the effect of wine, Nor heady rash, provoked with raging ire, Albeit my wrongs might make one wiser mad. This woman locked me out this day from dinner. That goldsmith there, were he not packed with her, Could witness it, for he was with me then who parted with me to go fetch a chain, promising to bring it to the Porpentine, where Balthazar and I did dine together. Our dinner done, and he not coming thither, I went to seek him. In the street I met him, and in his company that gentleman. There did this perjured goldsmith swear me down that I this day of him received the chain, which, God he knows, I saw not, for the which... He did arrest me with an officer. I did obey and sent my peasant home for certain ducats. He, with none, returned. Then, fairly, I bespoke the officer to go in person with me to my house. By the way, we met my wife, her sister, and a rabble more of vile confederates. Along with them, they brought one pinch, a hungry, lean-faced villain, a mere anatomy, a mountebank, a threadbare juggler and a fortune-teller, a needy, hollow-eyed, sharp-looking wretch, a dead-looking man, this pernicious slave, forsooth, took on him as a conjurer, and, gazing in mine eyes, feeling my pulse, and with no face as t'were out facing me, cries out, I was possessed! Then altogether they fell upon me, bound me, bore me hence, and in a dark and dankish vault at home, there left me and my man both bound together, till, gnawing with my teeth my bonds in sunder, I gained my freedom and immediately ran hither to your grace, whom I beseech to give me ample satisfaction for these deep shames and great
7: indignities.
2: My lord, in truth... Thus far I witnessed with him that he dined not at home, but was locked out.
7: But had he such a chain of thee, or no?
2: He had, my lord, and when he ran in here, these people saw the chain about his neck.
9: Besides, I will be sworn, these ears of mine heard you confess you had the chain of him, after you first forswore it on the mart, and thereupon I drew my sword on you, and then you fled into this abbey here. From whence, I think, you are come by miracle. I never came within
3: these abbey walls, nor ever didst thou draw thy sword on me. I never saw the chain, so help me heaven. And this is false you burdened me
7: withal. Why, what an intricate impeach is this. I think you all have drunk of C.S.A.'s cup. If here you housed him, here he would have been. If you were mad, he would not plead so coldly. You say he dined at home. The goldsmith here denies that saying. Sit what say you?
6: Sir, he dined with her there, at the pulpentine.
5: He did, and from my fingers snatched that ring.
6: Tis true, my liege.
5: This ring I had of her.
6: Saw'st
3: thou
7: him enter at the abbey here?
5: As sure, my liege, as I do see your grace.
7: Why, this is strange. Go call the abbess hither. I think you are all mated or stark mad.
0: Exit 1 to Abbess.
1: Most mighty duke, vouchsafe me speak a word. Happily I see a friend will save my life, and pay the sum that may deliver me.
7: Speak freely, Sir
6: what thou wilt.
1: Is not your name, sir, called Antipholus, And is not that your bondman, Dromeo?
6: Within this hour I was his bondman, sir, but he, I thank him, gnawed into my cords. Now am I Dromio and his men unbound.
1: I am sure you both of you remember me.
6: Ourselves we do remember, sir, by you, but lately we were bound, as you are now. You are not pinch's patient, are you, sir?
1: Why, you look strange on me, you know me well.
3: I never saw you in my life till now.
1: Oh, grief hath changed me since you saw me last, and careful hours, with time's deformed hand, have written strange defeatures in my face. But tell me yet, dost thou not know my voice?
6: Neither. Neither.
1: Dromio, nor thou?
6: No, trust me, sir, nor I.
1: I am sure thou dost.
6: I, sir, but I am sure I do not, and whatsoever a man denies, you are now bound to believe him.
1: Not know my voice. O time's extremity, hast thou so cracked and splitted my poor tongue in seven short years, that here my only son knows not my feeble key of untuned cares? Though now this grained face of mine be hid, in sap-consuming winter's drizzled snow. And all the conduits of my blood froze up. Yet hath my night of life some memory. My wasting lamps, some fading glimmer left. My dull deaf ears, a little used to hear. All these old witnesses, I cannot err. Tell me thou art my son Antipholus.
3: I never saw my father in my life.
1: But seven years since in Syracuse, boy, thou know'st we parted. But perhaps, my son, thou shamest to acknowledge me in misery.
3: The Duke and all that know me in the city can witness with me that it is not so. I ne'er saw
7: Syracusa in my life. I tell thee, Syracusian, twenty years have I been patron to Antiphilus, during which time he ne'er saw Syracusa. I see thy age and dangers make thee doubt.
0: Re-enter Emilia with Antiphilus of Syracuse and Dromio of Syracuse. Most
12: mighty duke, behold a
11: man much wronged.
0: All to see them. I see two
11: husbands, or mine eyes deceive me.
7: One of these men is genius to the other, and so have these. Which is the natural man, and which the spirit? Who deceives them?
6: I, sir, Andromio, command him away. I, sir, Andromio, pray let me stay.
3: Aegean art thou not,
6: or else his ghost? Oh! My old master, who hath bound him here?
12: Whoever bound him, I will loose his bonds, and gain a husband by his liberty. Speak, old Aegean, if thou be'st the man that hadst a wife once, called Amelia, that bore thee at a burden two fair sons, oh, if thou be'st the same Aegean, speak, and speak unto the same Amelia.
1: If I dream not, thou art Amelia, If thou art she, tell me where is that son that floated with thee on the fatal raft?
12: By men of Epidamum, he and I, and the twin Dromio, all were taken up. But by and by rude fishermen of Corinth, by force took Dromio and my son from them. And me they left with those of Epidamnum. What then became of them I cannot tell. I, to this fortune that you see me in.
7: Why, here begins his morning story right? These two Antipholuses, these two so like, and these two Dromios, one in semblance, besides her urging of her at sea, these are the parents to these children, which accidentally are met together. Antipholus, thou camest from Corinth first? No, sir, not I. I came from Syracuse. Stay, stand apart. I know not which is which.
3: I came from Corinth, my most gracious lord.
6: And I with him.
3: Brought to this town by that most famous warrior, Duke Menophon, your most renowned
11: uncle. Which of you two did dine with me to-day? I, gentle mistress. And are not you my husband? No, I say nay to
3: that, and so do I. Yet she did call me so. And this fair gentlewoman, her sister here, did call me brother. To Luciana. What I told you then, I hope I shall have leisure to make good. If this be not a dream I see and hear.
2: That is the chain, sir, which you had of me.
3: I think it be, sir, I deny it not. And you, sir, for this
11: chain, arrested me.
2: I think I did, sir, I
6: deny it not.
11: I sent you money, sir, to be your bail by Dromio, but I think he brought it not.
6: No, none by me.
11: This purse of
3: ducats I received from you, and Dromeo, my man... Did bring them me. I see we still did meet each other's man, And I was ten for him, And he for me, And thereupon these errors are arose. These ducats pawn I for my father here.
7: It shall not need. Thy father hath his life.
5: Sir, I must have that diamond from you.
3: There, take it. And much thanks for my good cheer.
12: Renowned Duke,
5: vouchsafe to take
12: the pains To go with us into the abbey here, and here at large discoursed all our fortunes, and all that are assembled in this place, that by this sympathized one day's error, have suffered wrong. Go keep us company, and we shall make full satisfaction. Thirty-three years have I but gone in travail of you, my sons, until this present hour my heavy burden ne'er delivered. The Duke, my husband, and my children both and you the calendars of their nativity go to a gossip's feast and go with me after so long grief such festivity
7: with all my heart i gossip of this feast
0: exeunt all but antiphilus of syracuse antiphilus of ephesus dromio of syracuse and dromio of ephesus
6: master shall i fetch your stuff from shipboard
0: dromio what stuff of mine hast thou embarked
6: your goods that lay at host sir in the centre.
3: "'He speaks to me. "'I am your master, Dromio. "'Come, go with us. "'We'll look to that anon. "'Embrace thy brother
0: there. "'Rejoice with him.' "'Exeant Antiphilus of Syracuse "'and Antiphilus of Ephesus.
6: "'There is a fat friend at your master's house "'that kitchened me for you today at dinner. "'She now shall be my sister, not my wife. "'Methinks you are my glass and not my brother.' I see by you I am a sweet-faced youth. Will you walk in to see their gossiping? Not I, sir. You are my elder. That's a question. How shall we try it? We'll draw cuts for the senior. Till then, lead thou first. Nay, then thus. We came into the world like brother and brother. And now let's go hand in hand, not one before another.
0: Exempt End of Act 5 End of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare